Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Draft Site's 44th podcast. You're joined once again by Jared Belson, who is doing a special hosting tonight because my star guest. Your normal host, DJ Boyer, is going to rant and rave about all things NFL, college, you name it. DJ, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. I'm ready for some rapid-fire questions. Let's do, uh, let's do Super Bowl Q&A. What school did Bradley Roby go to? Bradley Roby? Oh, uh, that's the Ohio State University. How about Greg Olson? The U, Miami. Of Florida. Fozzie Whitaker. Oh, University of Texas. Fernando Velasco. Oh, no. I think you may have stumped me here, but I'm going to go Texas Tech. Oh, Georgia, Georgia. It's in the South. Old- I get partial credit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Let's do an old one. We have a small school, Charles Tillman. Oh, peanut. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, gosh, I should know this. I'm feeling really ashamed. See, this is what happens on live podcasts. <laughs> Stump the guy is, uh, hmm. and obviously I'm not having any help here. But it is like a small, like something, Illinois or Missouri State or something like that. I don't know. Almost. Louisiana Lafayette. Oh, Lafayette. I believe the best player from there would have been, uh, well, they should have a future Hall of Famer, Mr. Brian Mitchell, quarterback at Louisiana Lafayette. How about this? Who is there? Draft pick from two years ago out of Indiana. He's a wide receiver. Oh, we're talking about uh, Denver, so we'd be talking about uh, oh uh, Cody Latimer. And who is their defensive end slash defensive tackle draft pick out of Cincinnati from four years back? Oh, uh, Derek Wolf. Uh, Love Derek Wolf. A very, very, very underrated defensive lineman, by the way. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I thought he was pretty underrated going into the draft. He had a great career at Cincinnati as well. Cincinnati has really turned out some good NFL players when you look at it. That's an underrated school. Who, who are some of the other great ones from Cincinnati that stick out in your mind? Well, you can even just go with knowing uh, the Eagles. You've got Trent Cole. You've got Brent Selleck. You've got Travis Kelsey. You've got a – which um, – he gets the big contract, and as you, uh, I don't know if you if you know this, but the uh, Travis big Travis Kelsey news would be he has signed up for a rea- he is going to be starring in his own reality show. Did you hear this? No, I did not. He is going to have fifty women, one from each state, actually vying for his affection. It's going to be called Catching Kelsey. Yeah, wow. that is a true story. Wish I was making that up. That's a true story, folks. I want to say Spike, but I'm not 100% sure. But uh, there you go. Catching Kelsey. So it's women, one from each like state. like The Bachelor. Essentially, yeah, 50 of them. So I know your fiancé likes The Bachelor, so you're going to have to tell her about this uh, upcoming programming uh, trend there, and, uh, you know, she'll have it on her radar. Yeah, and I might have to warn her to ask me to be on the show, too. Yeah, another uh, good player from Cincinnati, Connor Barwin. Uh, did you mention him? 
I had not, but yes, uh, there's just a a number of very good players from Cincinnati. It, it's just a very it's been a very underrated school, and I think they're going to have a very good tackle, offensive tackle who's going to project, I believe, as a guard at the NFL level. I think he's going to go third, fourth round, a good mid round prospect, Parker Ehringer. Everyone, look out for him. I think he's going to be a very serviceable lineman at the next level. But again, I, he projects more as a guard if I say tackle, but uh, I see him as a, a long-term viable option for somebody at the NFL level. So given, given the rosters of these two teams that we just talked about, some of their colleges, now they're in the pros, and they're both in the Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. Which of these teams, DJ, do you think is going to win? Boy, if I want to go with my head, I go Panthers. If I want to go with my heart, I go Broncos. Hmm. I would like uh, Peyton just one more. Panthers? They just seem to ah, – I don't. what I do like about this matchup is, boy, what a defensive just matchup. I, I, I think it's going to come down to the, the mobility – uh, just kind of can't get past the fact that obviously Cam Newton is just much more mobile than Peyton Manning at this point in his career. Not that Peyton Manning was ever a quote mobile quarterback, but it's as he's now the oldest starting quarterback in history. It's it's apparent that uh, mobility is not high on his list, and with both defensive fronts being you know possibly the best in each of the respective conferences, we're showing you know it. Which, which is another thing that I like with offense being at such a premium and it seems like the rules are, are kind of skewed more toward offensive fireworks and scoring points and offenses and throwing the ball. That's the way that things got to be done at the best defensive fronts in each of the conferences are actually led their teams to Super Bowls. I think that's, that's a good thing. And look at the Seahawks with, with getting their back to back years. They, they really did it with a, enough pressure to really let that very physical secondary kind of take over. So offense, it's going to get you far, but they always say defense wins championships. In the last few years, it's you can make a case for that. The mobility is really what, what makes me think, eh, maybe the Panthers get this done. But that, that Panthers offensive line, if, if they're a little – if they're a little shoddy, I mean, maybe that's the Achilles heel. They're, they're not horrible, but I, I wouldn't say it's one of the best offensive lines I see. Denver's able to create uh, havoc and make that a, a one-dimensional football team and really take the running, the running attack away and do more run blitzing. Uh, I, I think that uh, this could be tipped in Denver's, Denver's favor, but it looks like a very good matchup. All right, and I think last week I neglected, or two weeks ago when you asked me to predict who I thought was going to win, and I said, uh, it would be Carolina and the Patriots. The one thing I overlooked, which I think everyone overlooked all season, considering how bad of a season Peyton Manning had this year, and then Brock Osweiler took over, is how good Denver's defense is. I mean, they just took it to a next level this year. They were the most underrated defense in the league this whole year. And now they're starting to get a claim. But really, I mean, they can shut you down at every angle. They have they – have Strength along the lines that you spoke about. They have strength along the outside, uh, rushing the passer. Their linebackers are solid. Their secondary is extremely solid. Their cornerbacks are, are tall, they're aggressive, and their safeties are aggressive. I mean, they really have a stacked lineup all throughout that defense. And I think, if you want my prediction, I think Denver's defense is going to take them there 
once again. Um, but I do think it'll all come down to if Peyton Manning says to his team, hey, guys, this is my last shot, then there's no way they lose. If he doesn't say that, then, you know, they, they'll probably still win. But um, Carolina, Carolina is strong. Um, they do, they do the right things. Um, but they, I don't think against Denver's defense, they could really play it as safe as they normally do on their offense. And I think Denver's going to figure out ways to score as long as Peyton doesn't get too much Jimmy legs. And that's my prediction. Uh, the score, I have no idea. 21-18, I'll say. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to go Denver too. I guess I'm going to go 26-20 Denver. And, um, you know, another thing is they say, you know, Vasco da Gama was looking for the Fountain of Youth in Florida. I really think it's in Colorado because is it me or does DeMarcus Ware look like he's like 25 years old? It's just a burst. You got to wonder if the Cowboys are really regretting that decision because DeMarcus Ware has just looked – and it's not that he's, he's putting up the big numbers, but he just always seems to be in the middle of a player, always around it, or causing enough of a distraction that, that – Someone else is there to actually make a tackle. He's just all over the field, and he shouldn't be doing this. What is where, I believe, 32, 33 years old? It's just kind of uh, defying all logic right now. I mean, we, we've seen players, you know, be effective into their 30s, but he just looks rejuvenated. Uh, it's it's just amazing. Uh, props to DeMarcus Ware. And for Peyton, you just like him to see, see him win one more game, and then he does his next commercial, you know, one more game and hang them up. I mean, I don't know what what it's it's going to be with his little uh, nationwide thing there, or something that parlays that into retirement. And then he, you know, he does that commercial and kind of walks off into the sunset. I'm, I'm calling it there. I should try and put a copyright on that. Let's do that, uh, Jared. Yeah, well, you'd have to copyright that tune, which I don't think would be possible at this point. Oh but darn it! Speak, yeah, speaking of Demarcus Ware, I mean, there's two things going for him. One is that Denver Air. I mean, obviously, Olympians and people in all sports train in Denver to to get that the thin air so that any time they're playing, they can they have uh, they can breathe better and they have more endurance. So I think if Marcus Ware knew he was coming in Denver, or you know, early enough, he spent maybe all summer training in the high altitudes. I mean, that will take your game to the next level. But the other thing I think is that when he was drafted out of uh, Troy, I think Troy, Bill, Parcells, yes. Bill Parcells drafted him, and, and he was he was going to be an exceptional player. But, you know, no draft pick is ever certain. But he was incredible. And I actually think he was potentially the top five defensive players of this decade. And I know that's kind of outrageous, but I just think he was so underrated um, during his time because he wasn't that outspoken of a player. He wasn't one of those players who, you know, makes sacks and dance all over the field and creates controversy. He did his job. He got a ton of sacks, and he created a strong defense in Dallas that, as you said, they're finding how much value they lost without him there. So I think that's the thing with DeMarcus Ware is, yeah, he's 32, but he's also potentially one of the best players this past decade that we've seen on defense. Yeah, another one of those little schools. I mean, Troy is not considered to be a small school. It is a a 1A program at, at 
you know, as about 15 years ago, that was not the case, but at, uh, they were still kind of in their infancy. But uh, again, not, not a lot of people are, are scouting Troy football games. And you should know that being a fan of the Giants, there's another defensive end, I believe, that came from Troy, third round pick, by the name of O.C. Umanura. O.C. Umanura. Absolutely. So that, uh, yeah, you can definitely say as Troy has kind of lived up to its, its billing at the NFL level. So you, you got to watch those small school players or those uh, lesser-known conferences because uh, Troy can just throw DeMarcus Ware and Usi Umanura in everybody's face. And not a lot of uh, schools can say in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years they've produced players at the defensive end position that have uh, had the type of impact in the NFL that those players have had. Absolutely. And is there anyone uh, this year or the next few years, speaking of Troy, that we should look out for? Oh, there's plenty of small school prospects. I, I, unfortunately, I, I can't see that Troy this year. But, um, and you know, Senior well, Bowl was filled with it. I, I've been saying it about Carson Wentz. I, I think I've been saying he's pretty much the best quarterback all year round, and that's, boom, they're, they're saying that now. So, possible top five overall pick. And is how people are talking, like, wow, this guy's come out of left field. Um, no, actually, he hasn't. Um, just the kind of overall sense that because he goes to a small school, he has to appear from nowhere or hasn't done anything, and then he just comes to the scene like it's just like the bell of the ball now all of a sudden. That's not the case. I mean, these teams have scouting departments that their job is pretty much doing this all year round. I, it, it just really upsets me that uh, you have players that are that talented, and, and a lot of times they just go overlooked or people don't put that much stock into them just because, oh, well, you know, he's going, he's not a, that's not a 1A program. That's not an FBS school. You know, we'll look at him later. It's, it just, I mean, you look, who had the most talent in that game? Uh, in the Senior Bowl game, oh, that would be Harlan Miller, a cornerback from Southwest Missouri State. The, uh, you had Dak Prescott, who was the offensive MVP, but who caught the game-winning touchdown pass? Uh, that would be Paul McRoth of Southeast Missouri State. Uh, and we've had num- as the number one wide receiver, small school prospect all year long, by the way. So, yeah, you know, plenty. Uh, and uh, who was it that had two sacks in the game now? Of course, he did go to Ohio State, but that would be the Ohio Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Year, Noah Spence, who we have as a first-round mm-hmm. prospect. Again, now, he did go to Ohio State. He was not at Eastern Kentucky the entire time. But, again, plenty of small school prospects. And uh, you know, last year, two touchdowns and kind of made his way to an NFL team uh, more as a fullback, but that would be Tyler Varga from Yale. So it's uh, it's been done in the past. you gotta watch, got to watch these small school players. They, sometimes they'll be coming to these big games with, with a kicker when they're, when they're playing with some of the big boys and from the more known conferences and the more known schools. Right, and just because a player is small school doesn't mean, as you said, he's not as – after a player, I mean, most of the time these guys are end up at the small schools because they couldn't necessarily get into the big schools academically, or maybe they didn't. They went to a tiny high school and didn't transfer to something that got the same amount of exposure, or maybe they were in the wrong coaching program, or maybe they just developed throughout college from freshman to senior year. They gained 40 pounds of muscle and you know worked hard in their game. So. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of it, it comes down to instincts, it comes down to skill, it comes down to coaching, it comes down to experience. But, you know, with the NFL, really, anyone's given a chance. And I think when you don't hear about guys, you know, there's no reason to be upset because, like you said, the scouts know about it, 
You've been talking about Carson Wentz from the start. You always said he was your number one quarterback. Um, it's really just the media. I mean, the media, you know, national media has exposure to only so many schools, and and they dive into the ones that people want to read about. No one wants to read about North Dakota State. You know, they want to read about Ohio State, uh, or maybe Zach does. I don't. But, um <laughs> But, yeah, so that's why at the end of the day, these players are always going to be overlooked, no matter how well they do. They're always going to be a little underrated uh, because while the scouts might love them, the GMs and potentially the owners who have the final say are always going to be a little scared of these guys, are going to be scared because they haven't heard them as much or because the fans don't love them as much. They don't want to necessarily take the chance. So I think we're always going to see that where – Small school guys get overlooked, drop down the draft, and turn out to be better pros than some of these big guys. And then again, we're also going to see the opposite. You know, every year I used to love scouting the small school guys, and I'd, uh, I'd look at some of the stats, and I'd see some guys just dominate, utterly dominate. Um, there were a couple, I think there was a, maybe there was a running back, Amos Allen, a couple years back. Um, yeah. I mean, there's always guys who just absolutely dominate, and, and you know, can't do anything in the NFL, and they even get some shots, and they do nothing. And you realize they have no instincts, or you know, they just had power that doesn't exist in the NFL. So, I think that's what makes this draft so amazing, and what makes following the small school prospects amazing is that you never know what you're going to get. DJ, yeah, it was just about five or six years ago, running back that uh, broke all kinds of records, um, uh, division. Uh, Division two school again, and you know, oh, no way that this small sky is going to you know transfer to the NFL. That would be Shadron State, and that player was Danny Woodhead. Now again, mm-hmm. you're not, no one's going to go out there and say Danny Woodhead is an absolute stud running back at the NFL that, that pretty much takes over games, but that's a valuable guy. Uh, that's definitely a valuable guy. Good role player, great, great hands out of the backfield, and a guy that can get it done. So sometimes it's just because they have diminished roles or they're they're not the stud like they were at, at their level doesn't mean they still can't contribute and be a you know a very good player uh, at the next level. Um, and Harlan Miller is a guy that we we have as the number two small school corner. Number one, we have DeAndre Hall uh, from Northern Iowa that we actually currently have them uh, Hall as the Patriots' first pick when they pick in the second round. And again, Northern Iowa, we've said it. It's not like uh, Northern Iowa hasn't produced players. Uh, David Johnson, running back from Arizona, third-round pick. And then years ago, before he was a grocery boy and played in the uh, in the Arena League, people got to remember that's where Kurt Warner went to school. So not like Northern Iowa does not have experience in, in turning out NFL players either. That's very true. DJ, looking at this uh, this year's Senior Bowl, who are some guys that you wish were there that didn't get a chance to play? Uh, I, I, well, first of all, the, the first thing I want to say about the Senior Bowl was, boy, the defense really showed up. There's one thing that surprised me was some of the defensive talent or the defensive tackles especially that really showed up and played well. Sheldon Rankins was a guy we weren't quite as high on at Louisville. Now, he didn't get to play in the game, so that's kind of the segue into your question. That's my number one um, person there would be Sheldon Rankin because – I would say the consensus was he was the most impressive player um, in practice all week. There were a number of, of media outlets, people who saw him up close, that said this is the, the most impressive guy. And last year that happened as well. Carl Davis uh, from Iowa, who actually 
Um, later in the year, became a contributing factor uh, with with the Ravens. Uh, played some some pretty good football. Kind of took him a little bit of time to get his footing there, and maybe he's the heir apparent to a Holodinata, but what was kind of that guy last year. But he did tweak a, a quad injury uh, kind of late in, in practice and did not get to play in the game. So I think right there that's probably um, the biggest person uh, that I wanted to see was to see how, how much that impressive practice uh, kind of would have carried over um, and, and if we would have seen that in the game. But the, the defense, they were just teeing off on people. Uh, Sheldon Day, big, big game. Uh, Noah Spencer, we talked about, had a, had a very big game. Harlan Miller, again, leading in tackles. It just seemed to be there was just enough offense there. Um, the quarterbacks, even Carson Wentz, he played well, didn't really light it up. But he uh, Five for ten, but he wasn't helped with three drop passes, including one that was a cross-field beauty that was just – Definitely had to leave some jaws on the floor, and that pass was actually dropped. And uh, so, so his receivers kind of didn't help him. But he uh, he was obviously the most impressive quarterback for all of the week. Um, would have liked to see a little more Brian Poole, uh, a safety slash corner, one of those, I'd say one of those tweeners, and uh, played very well at the East-West Shrine game. But, of course, he went down with injury late as well, even though he had a, a big touchdown in that game, a big uh, return. And as a guy that was really kind of creeping up a lot of the boards, Florida is really kind of becoming secondary U. Uh, they're turning out a lot of corners, a lot of safeties, and we're going to see it again with Vernon Hargraves in this in this draft. But Poole's kind of that forgotten commodity, and it really, really showed well. And I would have liked to have seen him uh, play in the Senior Bowl as well, see if he would have been as dominant as the, the competition and, and show as well as he did in the East-West Shrine game. Were you surprised by how well Braxton Miller did at wide receiver? Um, for practice, yes and no. I mean, he's he's such an incredible athlete. I mean, we've had him kind of pegged as a second through a fourth round pick, and there were some things during the game that obviously look like uh, they they definitely need brushing up. But even with Miller, it's some of those things where you see him and you're still kind of marvel at how much he's picked up in the limited time that he's had at wide receiver. And even some of the mistakes that he makes, especially with his route running or kind of with some blocks, especially on some sweet plays, and you just look at it and go, that's very coachable. I mean, you've got to keep in mind it's a guy who's really been playing that wide receiver position for less than a full season in, in Big Ten football. So I think he's a guy that you look at him and there's still flaws to the game, but at the same time, to me, when I look at it, even though I wasn't kind of scouting at the time, I always had a, a fascination with kind of these players who you knew were a little undersized and they were going to try to make them a running back or maybe even a, a corner. I, I think more quarterbacks should become corners at the NFL level or a wide receiver. That seemed to be the first big thing. And someone that is really kind of reminiscent was Bert Emanuel, who was a very good wide receiver you know, for the Dolphins, for the Falcons, became a very serviceable a lot of people forget a record-setting quarterback at Rice University, and to me was one of the first guys who really kind of made that transition from college quarterback to college wide receiver. And again, was never—I mean, he had a, he had a season where he did catch 100 passes. He, he was out there with the uh, uh, kind of the, the run and gun, June Jones, Jeff George, kind of uh, chuck it all over the field with the Falcons. But even when he wasn't on teams that focused that much on the pass. He's a very serviceable, a very good number two wide receiver at the NFL level. He's a guy who pretty much had to learn it uh, from scratch, uh, 
kind of in a senior year, much like Braxton Miller. Their their builds are very similar, and I I, I kind of could kind of see him parlaying his NFL career, much like Bert Emanuel, where he was a serviceable guy, kind of a third down receiver for the first couple of years, and then he could, kind of took off and was a a very very good starter. And uh, maybe Braxton Miller kind of has that career at the NFL level. There just seem to be a lot of similarities between those two careers when you put them side by side. DJ, I have an interesting question for you now. I want you to pick one player from the Senior Bowl to add to each team's roster for the Super Bowl. So you get one player to add to the Denver Broncos roster for this game, and they automatically, they automatically either be or the number one backup, you know, depending on who they are. Uh, so I want you to pick one for the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. For the Broncos, I would say Nick Vanette, the, the tight end from Ohio State. I think he showed very well at the Senior Bowl. People knew that this was a very good blocking tight end, and, and Ohio State's had some some good tight ends who haven't really put up monster numbers, but they seem to have success at the NFL level. We thought we were going to see that out of Jeff Howerman. Maybe we still will. There were some, some injuries that have kind of delayed his uh, development and pushed at the NFL level, but... Uh, Seems to be a lot of interesting similarities there, and, and he did show well. I believe it was three catches, 58 yards, or something of that nature um, at, the, at the Senior Bowl. So I think that Denver, I think could you, you know, we always know that Peyton Manning likes to utilize that tight end. Doesn't really have the big, big name. I mean, we thought we'd get a little more out of Vernon Davis, uh, but that, that he hasn't really kind of taken off and had that huge, huge splash that a lot of people were expecting. Of course, he's a little older as well. But I think maybe... One of those guys could fly under the radar, kind of like that O.J. Howard effect uh, with with, Air, with uh, Alabama, guy that didn't put up monster numbers, but you get him in the in the open field, maybe he creates a, a little bit of a mismatch and he got very good size. I think uh, Vanette would be a, a, a player who would be very, very good uh, for the Broncos. Uh, if I had to pick someone for the Panthers, I would probably have to go with someone uh, along the offensive line. I don't think the offensive tackles showed nearly as well. Um, but I think maybe just someone that's a little bit tough, like a, I would say a Cody Whitehair, who really played a lot of tackle at Kansas State. He's kind of looking more like a run marker, uh, I think, for the next level at the NFL level. And he could – he really could have played his way into the first round. I think he's kind of a fringe I – thought, I thought that he would definitely be gone by the top to the middle of round two. But there's a lot of buzz if there's – we always have those three or four players that teams kind of clamor for. You see them making trades to get into the end of round one because they don't think those players will be around when they pick in the second round. Cody Whitehair is looking more and more like one of those players. And since the Panthers really you know, rely on the run, they run about as much as anyone does in the NFL, I really think that getting a little more help along the interior – and kind of uh, that, that mauling presence and, and allowing that ground game to, to, to flourish, you know, if, if they really establish that run game, I think it kind of keeps that Denver pass rush at bay a little bit, kind of gives them a little more run blitzing responsibilities, Vice just trying to tee off on Cam and get him uncomfortable and get him outside his passing lanes. So I would say a player like Cody Whitehair would probably be the guy I would draft and allow to play for the Panthers. Great answers, DJ, great answers. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? Well, I think we about covered it there since we did have our uh, Super Bowl predictions. 
Uh, now, of course, I, I do find it, you know, I would just have to bring up about the Madden prediction. I don't know if you saw that, but the Madden prediction was out today. Last year, you know, they did have the score exactly right. Uh, the Madden prediction, I believe, is 10-2. and two. This is, I think, the 13th year they've done it. They've only missed on two. Um, and last, like I said, last year the score was exactly right. Now they have, they have the Panthers racing out to a 17 to nothing halftime lead. They have the Broncos scoring 20 unanswered points. And they have the Panthers getting a touchdown to take the lead. Um, they have a 24-20. Uh, they then have a late interception by Josh Norman kind of sealing it. So the Madden prediction is 24-20 Panthers over Broncos. I don't know if you saw that, but I thought it was kind of interesting. How, uh, how they had that kind of tilted. I wonder if that had a lot to do with the fact that, now, it, it wasn't that way last week. The Panthers kind of really stuck it to the Cardinals. But we've seen them, obviously, just lay the wood to a team in the first half and kind of let up off the gas or other teams come back in the second half. I wonder how much that played into that, quote, simulation with uh, roaring back and scoring 20 and answered to, to get a lead. But uh, was an interesting thing, and again, they are ten and two. They've, they've done rather well. I think the only ones they've missed was two years ago. They actually had the uh, Broncos beating the Seahawks, and I believe they missed the year that Aaron Rodgers uh, had the uh, Packers beat the Steelers. I think they had, they had the score almost right, but I think they had the teams flip flop. So uh, it goes back quite a, quite a way. So uh, it's it's been some of the stats are kind of really eerie when you kind of look at it. So. We'll see. We're picking against uh, we're picking against the Madden simulation, though. That's that's very true. Any interesting Super Bowl bets you're going to make this year? I'm just not. I'm I'm not a betting guy, uh, really. Uh, just with my involvement with the sport and stuff, I've, I've just always uh, didn't want to Pete Rose myself or let uh, kind of bets kind of influence any decision. So I always. Always ensure that I'm not a betting man. I'll do it every now and again, but when I do that, I'm going to play the ponies at the track. That's pretty much about as wild as I get. Yeah, well, 26-20 is my call, Broncos. All right, I like it. I like it. Well, this is a good show tonight. DJ, thank you for coming on. Everybody, thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great Super Bowl. Stay safe. Eat a lot, and um, for those of you who have work the next day, try to make it. So thank you again. And <laughs> yeah. we'll have a good wrap up show everybody next week and keep those questions coming. We'll, we'll make sure that we dip into the mailbag and have at least uh, maybe three or four questions for next week's show as well. But thank you as always, Jared, you continue to be the man. Always are the man. I feel like I need to give like a, a Rick Flair whoop, but I'll, I'll abstain for now. <laughs> well, thanks again, DJ. Have a great night. Thank you, man. Have a good one, buddy. <laughs>